0: Love Talk Radio. Well, here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Across the airwaves, I get excited
1: to produce this one. It's a Standing Above the Crowd podcast hosted by my good friend, a brother, a mentor to me,
2: James Donaldson.
1: Yours truly, Mark Mancini, producing it in Los Angeles, 347-205-9631. His show goes by quick, and it's picking up steam, and we're so blessed. To Bring this to Mancini Media. Catch the archive on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Mancini Sports Podcast Platforms, wherever you subscribe to podcasts, powered now by Mancini Media. So it's more him, less than me. As I lay the red carpet down, put the podium in its place, hand off the mic. First of all, James, how are you? Second of all, how can people get a hold of you? And third of all, part two. Of this great interview is going to be something. I think the last time he was on, a couple of listeners thought him and I were part of a hitman in New Jersey or somewhere. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that, that, that,
2: that is, that is, you know, that, that what, what's the word? You're you're being radicalized or whatever. That word you big words you use, James. <laughs> that's
0: right. That's right. <laughs> uh, oh wow. Well, let, let me make the intro here. Hey, this is James Donaldson, Standing Above the Crowd uh, Sports Radio Talk podcast. And uh, we've been doing this for several months now, and every single Saturday morning, 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, uh, you can catch me uh, directly at JamesD at jamesd.standingabovethecrowd.com, one of my personal emails that comes right to me, and shoot me comments, suggestions, uh, likes, dislikes, what have you. It's just nice to stay in communication with everybody, and I get right back to you. So, uh, And also, if you have some some potential guests that you'd like to hear from, uh, we would love to hear from you, and we'll do our best to round them up and get them on the show as well. Uh, up here in Seattle, Washington, where I am, uh, Pacific Northwest, a little bit overcast, uh, that typical springtime weather, so we get some rain, we we'll get some shine, sunshine, and But it's all good, and I really enjoyed it. So, uh, as Mark Mancini mentioned, this is part two with uh, Coach Don Casey, who was one of my coaches uh, in the NBA, uh, specifically with the San Diego Clippers and L.A. Clippers uh, when I was there for three years with them. And he's had, uh, you know, coaching is in his blood. And this is why I really wanted to bring him back. The first interview was so wonderful, and we had such great response to it. Uh, this is a really basketball-knowledgeable person who lives and dies of stuff, uh, coaching high school, college, professional, assistant, head coaching. He's done it all, and he knows the game just about better than anybody I know. So I wanted to bring him back specifically because this is now the NBA Finals going on now, and we'll talk NBA basketball playoffs, and we'll talk about some of the great work he's doing, uh, uh, in his uh, private life and personal, professional life as well. So, uh, without any further ado, this is Coach Don Casey uh, from San Diego, California. Don, take it away. Make your quick introduction and we'll get on with the questions.
2: Well, I'm glad you asked me to come back. Um, you know, East the East Coast for <laughs> three quarters of my life was spent there and uh I uh, had the opportunity to go to the uh, Chicago Bulls with Paul Westfed, and then out here with Jimmy Lynham at the uh, Clippers, and then up with Gene Shu and Don Chaney at uh, uh, Los Angeles Clippers, and then uh, seven good years uh, with uh, Chris Ford at the uh, Boston Celtics, and four years with John Calipari at the Nets, and then yeah. I, I went into uh, quasi retirement.
0: Okay, uh, that's all. But I don't uh, pick
2: uh, up your option. You're in retirement, James. You know that. That's right. Yeah, quasi retirement. <laughs> then it becomes real permanent retirement. Yes. <laughs> I know.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's 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 right. So uh, so Don, hey, let's let's jump right into it. Matter of fact, we were talking offline. You, me, and Mark Mancini just a minute ago. Uh, and this question came to mind. We talked about it a little bit. Let's talk about it on the show. Uh, Dave from Columbus, Ohio is saying, hey, the game was not bird and magic that changed the game. It was the ABA teams and Dr. J when they merged with the NBA. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, uh, Coach Casey? I, well,
2: I think that was the first first real, uh, I don't know, traits uh, or uh uh, name player from the ABA. The ABA produced a lot of perimeter players. But Dr. J was uh, really an excitement that came in and uh, his, you know, magical dunks and on the run. And that was the first uh, half of the start of the process. And then into the 80s, which was, when I went into the league, it was really difficult. But Bird and Magic got... Uh, uh, the game on TV, which was mm-hmm. you know very important you know throughout the country, because they really didn't have a big big time national TV contract. In fact, the uh, finals at one time were on tape delay at eleven thirty at night. But mm-hmm. Bird and Magic put people in front of the uh, the TV, and and so did Doctor J when they got the you know the, the worldwide contract. But no, I think I, I think you put them both equal.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm thinking, I'm remembering some of these great stars that came over from the ABA, of course, headed by Dr. J, but uh, Moses Malone, Artis Gilmore, Dan Issel, Larry Keenan, George. Oh, they had George some great Gr- players. The great, great players, and they really brought a different style, a different a different look to the NBA. Did you watch a lot of ABA games back in the day before they merged? No,
2: not really, no. Um, I was more high high school and college, no. But Mm -hmm. uh, Doug Moe, who was the uh, fine coach at Denver, he brought the ABA passing game or motion uh, to the the NBA league itself and was quite successful and probably was – one of the more uh, astute uh, teachers of that part. A lot of us did not really understand it um, Mm. because we were more into set plays, uh, some structured continuity. But, I mean, he made players that may not have been functional in other areas. So he coming to the ABA, Larry Brown coming from the ABA, uh, all, mm-hmm. all had an input into
0: that. Yes, I remember some of those Denver Nugget teams coached by Doug Moe. Oh. Uh, that mo- motion offense, they were constantly moving. Uh, even their big guy, like Dan Shays, was you know hitting the 12, 15-foot jumper, Alex English, Fat Lever, T.R. Dunn. I mean, uh, they, they were just dynamite to watch. They, they never won the big one, but they were
2: always competitive every single year. Um, and up yes, there, in, with, a, with a mile high, with the you know, yes. the air is rare there. That I, you come in, you're huffing and puffing about the third quarter. That's exactly right. Yeah, if the guy's taking
0: a break in the mid to first quarter, it's just to catch their wind. So oh, hey, uh, sure. yeah, Eddie from Fargo, North Dakota is asking. Uh, well, he's 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 making a statement. These two guys sound like a couple of thugs, Mark Hansini and Don Casey. You guys are both East Coasters with the heavy accents, I know, but come on. I mean, you're you're both great, great guys. I I know you both well. He said you guys sound like a couple of thugs.
2: (laughs) Thug this, yeah.
0: There you go. That, that typical East Coast response. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we got another one. Ray from Upper Darby, Pennsylvania. Oh, uh, Casey, you, co- you coached yeah. in L.A. and Boston. Love to hear yeah. the city styles uh, and the fans. Uh, can you compare L.A. and Boston and their different fan bases, the cities, and et cetera?
2: Well, L.A. is a sprawling city. At, at that time, they, they had no real city. Um, mm-hmm. the, uh, it was uh, the forum out in Englewood and the uh, Clippers were, were in the sports arena right near the Coliseum. Um, yeah. And, you know, I lived in uh, uh, Redondo Beach, Hermosa Beach area. There was the, There was no real center point at that time uh mm. in the in the 80s uh going to boston it's 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 a real uh small city that you could walk around it'd be yeah. like you know a uh, head house square down in philly that area south philly but uh, um it's condensed and yeah. it was really it, it's really a young city with all the uh colleges there uh, that keeps energy flowing and it and the, the garden had its own you know, identity you know, from red hour back and the great players before they they're they're different i mean L- LA is LA it's kind of a the fan lot of the fans there go to be seen not pure fans where boston it's all Pure fans. Yeah. serious about it. They, they both have their own identities now. Th- now, in this era, with the Clippers and, and Lakers really, uh, you know, doing well on sailing and uh, the Staples Center, um, they picked up the beat a little bit. Uh, more exciting mm-hmm. stars on the, both teams. Uh, after Magic left, they were a little bit in a uh, down. Yeah, I was stunned to read that that the Lakers had not been in the playoffs for nine years. Wow. Wow. I mean, I couldn't, I mean, it just didn't seem right. Uh, Nine years before they got into the playoffs.
0: That was the years after Magic Johnson retired, right?
2: No, it was like, um, I think two years ago was the first time they got in for nine years.
0: Right, yeah. I remember Magic tried his hand at coaching even and that didn't work mm-hmm. out too well. But no. yeah, they were trying to do things. But uh hey, uh now you did all those coaching years up at the, up in Boston with the Celtics. Uh I, we're watching the NBA Finals now. Uh are you having a sentimental favorite with the Boston Celtics or give us your overview, your thoughts about well, the I finals? think I've
2: thrown out of you know, Boston as much as I liked it, it was there for seven years and you know four of them were with the uh, big 3 and the late uh, Reggie uh, Lewis and when we had T uh, Brown, Rick Fox, um, Byron Saul, Kevin Gamble, the young guys. Um no, not really. Uh, I I admire uh Golden State. I think Stevie uh, Kirk grew into a coach. Um uh-huh. not doing a lot of, you know, assistant work and this uh, uh, coach at Boston is pretty sharp he makes uh, uh excellent adjustments very good in his uh, timeouts and his substitution uh, he uh, he's 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 been in the league he's worked up the ladder and uh, has had very good success i think it and for a first year coach he's been terrific
0: been great to see. Uh,
2: now, how in the world did Golden State lose a
0: 15-point lead? That's, I think that's it was an... bad. I mean, what
2: two happened? things. That's one thing. And then how Stephon Curry can go the whole second quarter and not score a point. I mean, wow. I, 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 that just doesn't make sense. Now, yeah, I don't know yeah, what I... happened if he sat out a lot. Or, um, you know, Boston made a, 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 a good adjustment. I didn't see the second. I had to go out. I, I thought the game was over in reality because
0: uh,
2: the the points scored by he and Clay coming on, um, yeah. I just think that they would, out, would have outscored him. But now it turned wow. around the other way. And then they got up, and they couldn't hold it.
0: Yeah.
2: Bad sign. Mm.
0: And got beat handily, I mean, 120 to 108. I mean, that's to open up the series, that's not a good sign. And Tatum only had
2: 10 points.
0: Yeah, but, you know, as we know, the game is a game of adjustments. So you make your adjustments and get ready for game two, and we'll see what happens. Uh, Hey, I got a question for us. Uh, Joey from uh, Chelmsford, Massachusetts. Uh, He's saying Mm. uh, he's about 95. He wants us to give. He wants you to give him your Mount Rushmore of all time, five greatest NBA players. His is sure. Moses Malone. Well, you got Moses. I think. I think it's Moses Malone. Maybe Karl Malone. Uh, us <laughs> Magic Jordan and Michael Michael Jordan. Uh, well, you know, that's that's
2: that. You know, I, I I when I see that you know on the internet and it took it's. It's really academic. It's it's a hard you can be right and you can, you can be right, and you can be wrong, you can be wrong and you can be right all the same time. But what yeah, I, I answer what I had to face uh in, all, in both the uh Celtics and the uh, Nets is that Larry Bird to me was the the best uh on the floor guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jordan was the best on the floor and up in the air.
0: <laughs> okay, okay.
2: <laughs> so I, diver- I, you know, I separate that. Not that Bird couldn't dunk or get up there, but he was not a slasher. Um, you know, an exciting you know dunker. Um, you know, drive and kick. Uh, he had his box over there which he worked, but he was also yep. very good in trailing. And coming down the top of the circle, I told my wife a yep. story last night. Getting ready for you, uh, my first road trip with Bird was in Phoenix. This is like maybe after ten, twelve games. Now I, you know, I, I I'm, I'm still in awe. You know, with Red Hour back and Dave Gavitt was yep. there and Jan Volk and the great ownership and uh, and the big three and what the way they practiced. I mean, it was like a war. So we go down, and it's about middle of the first quarter, and I'm sitting there, and Bird comes down and takes a, not a three, probably could have been a five-point shot. It was so far out. And then the (laughs) next time out, he looks at me right in the face and says, do you believe that I missed that shot? (laughs) I mean, he was serious. (laughs) So that's how much confidence he And he looked at me right in the eye and said, do you believe that I missed that shot? And I said,
0: (laughs) yeah, yeah, what a competitor. And, you know, I I was with the Dallas Mavericks when he came down through that Texas swing, playing playing against the Mavericks and the Rockets, and he put up back-to-back 50-point games. you know, (laughs) against us in Reunion Arena, it was just an incredible performance. And, of course, they beat us. But he was just something, and yeah you're right, not the flash and the slash and the dash of Michael Jordan, not at all. he was just so well rounded with so many so many tools in his toolbox that he could just resort to it at any time
2: and he he and I tell you what he could chop you down with his comments
0: yeah, yeah, that's that's that that's too we
2: had we had a we had a ten day player guarding him. That what's infuriated him and he's in front of the bench uh, and you he hear him and he says to this kid, I've sent more 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 players back to the c b a and I think you're going to be one of them <laughs> oh no, I, could, is... I mean it was stunning I mean his his brashness he was really yeah. annoyed that they had a ten day player on him
0: that is funny, that's funny. Well, you're living down in San Diego, and, you know, we were there together with the San Diego Clippers. Is there any professional teams in San Diego at all anymore? NFL,
2: football, baseball? No, just the the Padres Padres that are moving in with soccer. And the owner of the New Jersey Nets, uh, who also has a house in La Jolla, is trying to bring in – Lacrosse.
0: Okay, okay.
2: it's wow. a funny it's... city here. Uh, you know, it's spread out. Um, the Petco Park is a beautiful, you know, baseball downtown. Uh, and you can get there through, you know, trolleys and whatnot. Uh, the, the the problem is they can't figure out if they wanted to put, you know, an arena, where would they do it? I don't think it can okay. happen. San Diego State uh, with Kawhi uh, Leonard. Uh, has taken over the spotlight, and they got a you know decent team, very good team, and they got their own stadium, the uh, called Snapdragon, which is uh, from the Qualcomm people, and yeah. that is not that far from you know the Seneca State campus. So I I I don't know, I don't I don't I don't see it, but I, I see I've where learned. they're flirting about bringing a team to Seattle and Vegas, are, are you, yeah. are you, would you be
0: involved with the Seattle team? I, I would love to be. matter of fact, I just had breakfast with uh, Coach Lenny Wilkins on Tuesday morning this week, and Lenny's going to be kind of in charge of rounding the guys up and making sure that we're all part of the launch of the new team and uh, maybe get us involved in some other activities and things. I would love to do that kind of work. That would be great. So,
2: Well, if yeah, anybody can I, get it I, done, it's Lenny. Yes, absolutely.
0: absolutely. Uh, he was
2: our he was our president of the coach association, and I was the right. vice president. And, and I just I just followed his trail. <laughs> yeah, he was now, very one, good in negotiations with a pension, right. um, very steady, uh, and and quite intelligent. Great
0: guy, great guy.
2: Now, when oh, I started yes.
0: promoting well, promoting this particular broadcast with you. I plugged it into a fan page on Facebook called Remember the San Diego Clippers. Give us some of your remembrances of being
2: with the San Diego Clippers. Uh, I, I tried to explain it to my psychiatrist. <laughs> no, come
0: on. <laughs> I don't
2: think we want to go any further. <laughs> so I did have good times with uh, with uh, Jimmy um Don Chandy and um Gene Shue as the as his assistant and yeah. then, you know, took over. Like uh getting fired. Uh, nobody wants to get fired. It's like a public hanging. But yes, it yes. was very interesting. The owner of the Celtics said, If you didn't get fired, uh we we wouldn't let Chris Ford hire you. I said, What do you mean? He said, well, you wouldn't have been a head coach. And we would uh, not get involved with you being a head coach. They may have wanted, you know, a second round or something like that. So getting fired is, and many times opens up a new avenue that you didn't think was there, and it pops up, whether it's in your craft or outside. It's, But, I, you know, it's, it, it, it's embarrassing at first. But getting fired from Sterling at the uh, Clippers maybe Maybe badge. May, be, may have been the badge of honor.
0: Yeah, well, I say the same thing when I moved on to the Dallas Mavericks. So that's right. Well, who, uh,
2: did you have Dick Mata?
0: Yeah, well, Dick was my coach in Dallas my first four or five years there.
2: Yeah. Oh, he was terrific, wasn't he?
0: What what a fantastic guy, fantastic coach. Yeah, exactly. Uh, hey, let's talk about one of your passions you're really involved with. Uh, and tell the audience, uh, a- ALS, uh, this is a foundation or organization you're involved with, and what is your role with this? Well,
2: ALS is a national organization that has chapters in, in – I think all the all the states, or at least like 45 states, the um, mm-hmm. ALS is a Lou Gehrig's disease that is a monster. Uh, that they are um, lived to two to five years with this, uh, they become paralyzed. Mm. But they're uh, it's uh, they're they're doing some things to extend the life. Uh, Coach Steve Fisher. You know, down here, sitting. You know, his son Mark uh, was, a, you know, a bright young coach. Uh, came down with ALS when he was mm. thirty, thirty-one. He's now, fortunately, uh, under you know, good medical, uh, has survived ten years. Now he's in a wheelchair, wow. but he can still speak and swallow, uh, which is very important. Uh, it's a very difficult disease. My mother died from it in 1969, and oh. they don't have they don't have anything, which frustrates right. me. And uh, it's uh, it's a motor neuron disease. I I've all, often preached to the national people, that they need a Manhattan Project. Um, I don't think it's going to come out of one lab even though there's great labs research centers going on. So it's mm. it's uh, been frustrating for me on that part. And I was a National Trustee. There's a, there was about 20 of us. I did my 7-year term. Um, and they, you know, it's really well meaning, but it's hard. It's it's hard. Yeah, it, it's the bad term, The Walking Dead. Um, so I, I, I I'm still, you know, involved, not directly, yeah. or indirectly, but it's, uh, it's it's hard for the families. It's very expensive. After Medicare uh, kicks in, is about a hundred thousand or two uh, or more a year that for uh, home mm-hmm. care for you know, the problem. Also, which could be helpful, uh, the Veterans Administration have been working on this for 15 years. If you're a veteran, you are two times, now they're moving it up possibly to three, three times likely to get ALS in your lifetime. Wow. And the Veterans Administration covers everything. Uh, it's it's a bit, it's been a problem for them. Why um, concussion factor, toxins, um, the CTE, all that uh, sus- suspected, but they haven't put the uh, one main cause. So if you ask me how to get ALS, I, I really don't have an answer.
0: Right, right. And what is, what is your main role? Are you trying to fundraise or bring awareness? Or what are you doing? Uh, you
2: know, the awareness is out there. It's more, at this stage, uh, placid. Um, I speak to researchers in Boston, here and St. Louis, um, to stay up to date. Um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, we have possibly some great money raiser, that could come in September, um, which I hopefully will be able to re- reveal to you then. But uh, no, it's okay. money is a key, but collaboration is another big word which is not done that much
0: ah. in any disease. To be honest
2: with you, right, they don't collaborate. Right. Do you? Everybody have, wants the uh, Nobel Prize.
0: I of course, of course. Do you have a website that our our listeners can go to to learn more about it or maybe possibly contribute
2: to it? Uh no, I don't have a website. I have an email and you have it. So I don't okay. I don't mind giving it out.
0: Well, I just wanted uh, folks to look it up if they wanted to, but uh we have got you a look couple of
2: ma- ALS National. There is a, there is a um uh, uh TDI is Therapeutic Development Institute in Boston. Uh, there's Target ALS. There's ALS National. There's, there's mul- multiple, maybe too many, but uh, everyone is is frustrated and wants to help. The NFL is getting hit with it hard now from the afterlife. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the yeah. brains. Brain center at Boston University with Dr. Ann McGee. She has three hundred NFL brains. Wow!
0: Amazing,
2: amazing.
0: Well, hey, so, let's, uh, let's,
2: let's like you and I said up. yesterday, the brain and the heart.
0: <laughs> yeah, those two things. Two yeah. complicated,
2: uh, complex organs. <laughs>
0: We only got about 60 seconds left. Uh, give us your your prognosis for the upcoming Game 2 and the rest of the series. What do, how do you see it going?
2: I, I can see the Warriors recovering, but I think they will be in trouble when they go back to Boston.
0: Mm, yeah.
2: And what's the format? Is it 2-2, two, two, one, one, one or 2-3-2? Yes. I can't remember. No, it's 2-2, 1-1-1. Two, two, one, one, one. They had the seventh game. uh golden state i i i think it's going to go seven for sure it will go six
0: yeah i think so too well they gotta win they gotta
2: win they gotta win tomorrow they go into boston oh and two it could be a sweep
0: yeah you're right it's gonna be tough in boston so well hey coach thank you so much for joining us it's been a great great interview i always appreciate it all you listeners, now you understand why I brought Coach Casey back for Part 2. This is a fantastic conversation and interview. Uh, hey, this is James Donaldson, Standing Above the Crowd podcast. Join us every Saturday morning, 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, and keep it coming, and we're going to keep it coming to you with great guest after great guest. Thank you so much, Coach. I'll give you a call in a few, but thanks. Have a great day, and we will see all you all next week.
2: All right, James.
0: Thanks.